electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. And it does start right now. Hi, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan in for Melissa Lee. Happy Friday. This is Fast Money, your trader lineup on a Fast Friday. Steve Grasso, Bono and Eisen, Jeff Mills, and Nancy Prial, co-CEO of Essex Investments. Welcome, Nancy. All right, tonight on Fast. Signed, sealed, delivered, and a big, bold call on FedEx. One megabank says that stock may be set to double. We're going to find out why and if your traders agree. Plus, TikTok goes the clock. We're all over late-breaking developments on TikTok and WeChat. Negotiations coming down to the wire. We're going to tell you where things stand at this hour. And later on, where's the beef? We'll tell you what said shares of Beyond Meat into the grinder today. A big call on that stock as well. All right, welcome, everybody, and good to see you. We're going to begin, though, with the world's biggest company in a little bit of a world of pain lately. That is Apple. Falling another 3% today, it is now down 22% from its record high hit earlier this month. That, my friends, a market cap loss of only, you know, $500 billion. Put that into perspective. That is equivalent to an entire Visa, a J&J, maybe a Walmart, or even a Procter & Gamble. And Apple is not alone. Shares of Amazon, Facebook, and Alphabet also dropping this week. So is this just a tech timeout, Steve Grasso, or do you see a rollover and maybe some more pain ahead on the tech trade? No, I see a rollover, Brian. This is something that I positioned myself for probably about a month and a half or a month or so, a little bit too early. But when you look at Apple, Apple's 13% of the queues. Amazon, 10% of the queues. Microsoft, 10% of the queues. But when you look at chart of Apple, go back to the date where they announced the split. That's where the stock jumped. So what's relevant about the price that it's trading at now, around 107, is that's the level that it jumped to. So if you want to see where the support should be in the name, I think it's going to trade to the 100-day. And by the way, this is the first time it's been below the 50-day since April, Brian. So I think it's going to the 100-day, which is 96, and ultimately to the 200. That's at $83. Do you realize what the world would say wow. if Apple traded down to $83? Cats and dogs living in harmony together. Uh, this would be disastrous for tech, but it would be tremendous for value. I've been positioned that way. I think it's the start of something much bigger. This year is the worst level that value has traded to on a valuation. Trough valuation and the duration of it, it's over. It's extended. Value is the new growth. It's a good thing you didn't bring a hot take or anything like that. I mean, a lot of... By the way, Steve, we were happy when Apple hit 83 on the upside, pre-split, of course. Now, I guess, we'll be sad if it's the same 83. Nancy, we'll go to you. You're a long-term manager. Do you own Apple? And if so, are you one of the sellers that are out there this week? So I actually, I am a long-term manager, but I invest in the small and mid-cap space. So we have not been able to own Apple uh, for many, many years, over a decade. 
But I do agree with Steve that I think this could be the beginning of a meaningful switch in the market. Not necessarily away from all tech, but certainly away from some of the tech that's been most exploited and that people have been most excited about, the companies that have been the market share gainers in this environment. I think it's interesting to note that the day that Apple peaked was also the day that the market cap of Apple was larger than the market cap of the entire Russell 2000. So what we see here is a pause for these companies to grow into their valuation. And while we do that, there'll be an opportunity for other growth areas, whether they be cheap technology or whether they be industrials or transports or some of the areas that are emerging as the economy recovers to take up some of that slack. You know, we gave that as our stat, by the way, Nancy, on Worldwide Exchange that day. So clearly that show and its terrible host are to blame for the market's collapse. <laughs> uh, Jeff Mills, you, you've, got a, you've got a broader take, perhaps, on the rotation that we may or may not be seeing. Because I remember talking about this rotation before and then it re-rotated back to tech. Yeah, so and, and I agree with Steve thinking about the long term, like looking out 12 to 18 months, I think value is absolutely the place to be. The valuation gap is massive, so I think there's a lot of relative performance to be gained there. Um, on the side of tech, I do think it has more downside in the near term, and it's not just Apple, it's not just FANG, MAGA, whatever acronym you want to use. I mean, look at stocks like PayPal or Shopify or even a DocuSign at 50% above its 200-day moving average. Um, what you were referencing in terms of the rotation from growth to value, the question is, can value carry the day? Can value support the index or even drive it higher if we see that rotation? I went back and looked at every trading day in 2020. There are 68 days where growth is down. Value is also down 80% of those days. So although I think there's a relative performance trade there in the near term, I don't think the rotation is going to be powerful enough to actually drive the overall index higher. And I think it's noteworthy to think about some of the rollover we've seen in credit card spending data, open table data, hotel bookings, uh, not catastrophic, <clears throat> but relative to the narrative of the sustainability of this rotation, I think that's worth, worth considering. It is, Bonowin. I mean, I, I don't mean this in any form of hyperbole. We're literally talking about a trillion-dollar question. What's your take on value, growth, and the possibility of rotation? Well, I, I echo a lot of the points that uh, the general just made, right? Like, yes, you are seeing this rotation. I do think there's some downside in the interim, but I'm actually looking for areas, you know, to kind of get back into some of these names, and I'll tell you why. So <clears throat> we've talked about this rotation out of growth, into value. Some of these names are extremely expensive. So uh, we, we keep going talking about value, but really it's growth into more cyclical names. And, and what we're essentially seeing here is that if you're rotating money out, but no new money is coming in, I don't think that's going to take the market higher. And we've already talked about the, the presence the, and the percentage that's represented in the ETFs and the indices by these tech names. So unless we're going to get an influx of capital, I think that you're essentially saying, or what we're all, a lot of us are saying, is that we have a bit of a bearish bent on the market. I don't see how you can be fading growth, rotating into value with said dollars, and still have a long-term, or, or sorry, short-term bullish uh, sentiment on the market. So essentially, I think what we're saying is looking, we're looking for a pullback. From a risk-reward standpoint, I'd rather be in value. And I can understand that, but I don't think that's what takes us higher at all. 
Yeah, so so I think that just to just to wrap up the little bit of uh, growth versus value, Brian. When you look at what uh, what Jeff was talking about, I don't think those are great stats. I don't think the actual rotation was happening at that point. So I think that was the reason why value sold off with growth. Having said that, look at where we are on the calendar. We're in September. So a lot of these funds are they have to sell because Apple, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Microsoft became too big of a percentage of their funds. So they have to get out of those and they have to buy something else. They buy what has not rallied. So on a percentage basis, of course not. Uh, tech is the, is, the, is the biggest part of yeah. these indices. But when you start to look at on a relative basis, value will outperform. And then when money starts coming back in, it won't go back to those old tech names. It will go into all of the other sectors and all of the other sectors combined will be enough to move the market higher. It looks like it might be Nancy Pryor because, you know, as you know this, by the way, the Russell 2000, the only major index higher this week, up 2.7%. The NASDAQ S&P and uh, Dow, they finished the week they finished the week lower. How much more do you think there is to go on the upside for the little guys, your space? Yes, well, there is a tremendous amount of room. All of the stats that we've talked about with the discrepancy in valuation between growth and value are magnified if you look at the difference in valuation between large cap and small cap, particularly as you go down the market cap spectrum. And if you look at the most recent cycle that began in 2014, 2015, what we saw coming out of that period after the great financial crisis was actually that large cap, high growth, particularly tech stocks, were very inexpensive. They sold for less than the smaller cap tech stocks. That has reversed. It reversed dramatically earlier this year, and that reversal reversal still holds. So we think that there will be a great opportunity as this rotation continues in the small cap universe, and it will be led by the fact that earnings growth should be greater over the next three, four, maybe five quarters as the economy starts to recover and as some of these tech companies come against tough comparisons caused by the explosive growth that they've seen this calendar year. All right, Nancy, we'll get back to you and the whole gang in just a minute. But right now, we've got some breaking news and new developments out of D.C. on both TikTok and WeChat, President Trump making comments on a possible TikTok deal just a short time ago. Let's get right out of Kayla Tausch, Kayla Tausch in D.C. with the details. Kayla. Brian, it's been five days since ByteDance chose Oracle as its trusted U.S. tech partner, and the White House still has yet to weigh in on the deal one way or another. Three sources familiar with the matter and a senior administration official tell me the Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has been working the phones around the clock to try to salvage a transaction to find a workaround after the president and national security officials balked at the fact that the deal would only represent a minority stake being taken on by Oracle here in the United States. The dilemma is selling enough of ByteDance to make the president happy, but not so much that China would block the transaction for fear that it's giving away one of its own digital champions. Earlier today, President Trump said on two separate occasions that he wanted to reach a deal quickly. They're going to be showing me everything in a little while on TikTok. And uh, we have some great companies who want to buy it. 
And we're looking at those companies. We're looking at, most importantly, the security with respect to China. And we're going to make a fairly fast decision. I don't think we have to delay it too much. As for those companies, President Trump mentioned at a briefing this afternoon that perhaps Microsoft would re-enter the fray. It's unclear if the universe of bidders has actually expanded or if that is just wishful thinking. But, Brian, the Commerce Department has noted that as of Sunday, uh, users of both TikTok and WeChat, which is owned by Tencent, would be banned from in-app transactions and updating the app and said even if there is a deal for TikTok, uh, the clock is ticking and the user experience will start to degrade quickly. Brian? Yeah, but, but to be clear, Taylor, uh, Taylor, I think that's an important point, though, is that uh, the app will still work. You just can't do new downloads and any update won't go through, but it's not going to shut off on Sunday night, as we know. That is correct, Brian, but uh, it, it's unclear whether ByteDance or uh, Tencent would be pushing out uh, regular updates to these apps. You know, we know that they happen every few weeks as it is right now. Uh, so certainly they would be barred from doing, accessing any sort of new bells and whistles in these apps. And the administration at least yeah. believes that the experience in using these apps would degrade to the point that people would stop using them. A senior administration official told our Eamon Javers that WeChat in the U.S., though it has a small user base here, would be effectively dead, although they have extended the deadline for a TikTok deal with another party until November 12th after the election. Oh, Kayla Tausche in D.C. So Jeff will change the 90s song. I guess it's TikTok. You do stop potentially. What is your take, though, on Oracle in all of this? Yeah, it's so hard to figure out how these stocks are going to react in the near term. What's been priced in? What hasn't? Does it does a deal get done? So I've been thinking about this all day and kind of approaching it from a more philosophical standpoint in the sense that if I was Facebook or if I was Snapchat, I would want to live and operate in a world where I was competing against TikTok versus a world where my platform could be banned or restricted or changed in some material way from a policy perspective. So I just think looking longer term, forgetting about what's happening you know, this week or next month, uh, I think these developments are, are generally not a great thing for these social media platforms. We were talking a lot about Apple. I think maybe the biggest takeaway is the relations between China and the U.S. You can't talk about that without talking about Apple. I think we avoid kind of the biggest pain point for Apple, which would be them not being able to host WeChat in China. That would crush iPhone sales. Um, but at the same time, you have 350 million iPhones up for an upgrade cycle over the next 12 to 18 yeah. months, uh, and 60 or 70 million of them are in China. So uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Maybe it's just headline risk, but I think as a shareholder of Apple, which we are, you at least need to consider that as a risk. Yeah, Bono, and listen, uh, you're young. You know all these apps, okay? I mean, there's one called Triller, apparently, which I thought was a Michael Jackson song, but it's apparently it's an app. But they're private, but that's not. What about a Snapchat? What about a Facebook via Instagram Reels? Do you see a subsidiary trade off this news? Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm an old soul at heart, so uh, don't let the exfoliating uh, fool you. But um, <laughs> I, I, I do think that, yes, they're, they're, I mean, in the, in the short term, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a tailwind to some of these names, some of the alternatives, Snapchat, like you mentioned, 
um, Instagram, which which would translate into Facebook. But I, I tend to think this is more of a more of a non-event, really. Um, one, the, the finer details of this agreement or lack thereof or posturing approval by the U.S. or China, China have yet to really be hashed out. Really, what's the risk to me is if there's China retaliation against some of the U.S. consumer technology brands. Those are the risks that I really see. But again, in the short term, yes, I think it might be a boon for some of these names, but I don't think it, it, it really has a lasting effect, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, good stuff there. We're going to watch for the deal. And Kevin Flynn, our producer, just told me in my ear, Bonham, that you're 63 years old. It's, I mean, you look fantastic. <laughs> we'll come back to you. <laughs> it's like we're in a studio audience or an NFL game with the fake sound. All right, coming up, a delivery double. Shares of FedEx on a tear this year. And one top analyst says the stock will deliver profit for you. And later on. We're counting down to earnings out of Nike. We've got two ways to play the report with shares trading near all-time highs. Stick with us. Fast Money, ye old Fast Money, is back in two minutes. Stick around. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. All right, welcome back to Fast Money on a Friday. A big, big call on FedEx. Check this out. Citibank saying that FedEx shares could double to 500 bucks in just the next three years. The analysts saying that shippers exposed to e-commerce right now have no alternatives to companies like FedEx or UPS. So, Steve, the only thing I would the only thing I would dither with in this call, and it's a big one, and the analyst the analyst says Christian Weatherby says normally we don't throw out big theoretical numbers on stocks because they view it as clickbait, but they say if you believe in e-commerce, you got to believe in these companies. The only thing I don't like about the call is they don't highlight enough the post office, Amazon, new competition. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think this this stock has been the poster child for everything that we've been going through in the COVID environment. Everything has been pushed online. Everyone's buying their food on a curbside delivery and everyone's getting boxes shipped to their house. This was a perfect environment for FedEx. But just think about what that multiple expansion would look like, Brian, going forward when you look at UPS or FedEx. UPS always trades at a premium uh, to FedEx. But when you start to think, first of all, FedEx is overbought. We see that in the stock price. The the headline that caught my attention recently was that they hired 27% more seasonal workers than last year. That, to me, is bullish. That, to me, is the reason why the stock jumped recently. But I can't. It's a bridge too far for me to start thinking about a double. I, I like them making these type of calls, quite honestly, because they're really putting their rep on the line when they do this. But I think that they're a little bit overextended. What yeah. I would look at on the back of these type of calls are the paper stocks, and everyone knows what I'm long, Westrock, WRK. That space is getting interesting to me, and you might start to see some M&A activity there. There you go. All right. Um, Jeff Mills, I know you like FedEx. It's a name you have liked, you continue to like. But do you like it this much? Do you honestly believe FedEx could double 
in just a couple of years? Yeah, that's the question here. I'm kind of with Steve. You know, I think that they can outperform and that can continue, but a double may, in fact, be a bridge too far. You know, it's interesting. Last year, you heard FedEx say they thought that U.S. shipping volume was going to go from 50 million packages a day to 100 million packages a day by 2026. Now they're saying that's going to happen by 2023. So that's a big pull forward. That's a big increase in demand. And I think what that does is it gives them pricing leverage. It changes the profitability profile of the company. Does that mean a double? Probably not. But I do like it to outperform generally. And I do like it to outperform a UPS. Steve mentioned the valuation differential. Usually it trades at about two and a half turns below UPS. Right now, five turns below. So I think you get a little bit of a gap closing there as well. All right, good stuff there on FedEx and a big call. All right, coming up, not their only big call today. Investors may be losing their appetite for shares of that stock. You know who that is? A mystery chart to end your Friday. We're going to tell you what sent the stock down today. And later on, options action. Things may be about to get dicey in the retail trade. The chart master breaks down the cracks he is seeing in you, the consumer. We're back right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. Well, Beyond Meat and its investors getting grilled today. The stock falling more than 5%. This after analysts at J.P. Morgan slapped it with a downgrade to underweight, saying, yeah, they remain optimistic, but the stock is way ahead of itself. Bottom, what do you make of the call here on Beyond Meat? They should, saying basically you should beyond sell it, I guess. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I would like to note that the call was still long-term constructive on the name, essentially saying that the addressable market supports it over the long term. But yeah, the stock has kind of gotten ahead of itself. If you look at it 23 times uh, trailing EV to sale, 16 times Ford. I mean, the thing is expensive anyway you slice it. And then if you add in the competition that they've essentially seen from Impossible, you yeah. know, it just the, the, the competitive landscape is just shaking up a little bit. And the last point is the food service. That's really where the uplift is going to come from the stock. And that's still, you know, kind of at odds with, with COVID and everything else going on. So really, you need to see that kind of come into play before the stock can take the next leg higher. Yeah, price targets 122, 27 bucks a downside even after today. They say the speed at which Impossible is gaining up to beyond is a bit surprising even to them. There you go. All right, let's go now around the horn. It is already time for your final trades. Nancy Pryle of Essex Investment Management. Why don't you kick it off as a special guest? Great, thank you. 
So my final trade is a company called Endava, D-A-V-A. It's a SMIDCAP name, about $3 billion, an unknown tech stock in the digital transformation area that we think is just starting to get discovered and it's outperforming in a bad tech space. Love it, bringing a British mid-cap to the table, Jeff Mills, top that. I don't know if I can. Some people might be surprised to hear this, but I would be a seller of DraftKings here. I still like the name long-term. I've talked about it a bunch of times, but it's up 50% in the last two weeks. I wouldn't be an outright seller of the name, but I would be taking chips off the table here. Yeah, and who would, I don't think anybody blame you. Stocks up 417% this year, Bonowin. Crude has rebounded, but you've still seen the services kind of suffer. I think Halliburton has some, uh, some headwinds in the short term. Okay, well, best performing sector this week was actually Energy Steve Grasso. So, Brian, you know I love these bold calls. I mentioned that about City and, and FedEx. I only like giving final trades where I think stocks can double or triple. I'm going to give you one that I think can triple here tonight. Olin, O-L-N. I think this one can more than triple, but I think it will be taken out way yep. before it gets to the level that I think. Great. Great, great old skis, maybe better chemicals. That does it for us. Don't go anywhere. Options Action is next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.